0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I am your host, Emmy Kirshner, and this is the second full week of January 2020. I am super stoked to be sitting with Brian Falchuk today. He is a coach, speaker, and the author, bestselling author of two books, Do a Day and The 50-75-100 Solution. In Do A Day, he talks about just doing one day at a time. Stop worrying about the future. Stop worrying about the past and how that can create an amazing amount of presence, happiness, and satisfaction in your life. And then in the 50-75-100 solution, he talks about how to improve your relationships, your relationship with yourself and everyone around you, including those that can seem a little bit dysfunctional. And Before we dive right in, do me a huge favor and leave a review and a rating wherever you're listening to this podcast so that we can help get this message to more people. And let's go. My name is Emmy Kirschner. I'm a serial entrepreneur and investor. The one thing that I get asked all the time is, how do you achieve success in business and make an impact? In each episode of the Tribe of Leaders podcast, you'll hear from entrepreneurs and visionaries who share how their leadership has changed not only their lives, but the lives of everybody around them. Hey, Brian. Welcome to the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I am super excited to have you on the show and to learn about both of your books and the message that you've been sharing with the whole world, because I think it's so important to really take in what you're saying.
1: Oh, thanks for that, Emmy. I'm definitely excited to be here and to be hopefully a part of this tribe of leaders.
0: Absolutely. I think you're going to play a huge part. And I love what you're some of the words on your website with you know redefine and be genuine. So mm. I think like you're going to help people really get grounded in that. Introduce yourself a little bit and share with everybody who you are.
1: Yeah. So I am a, uh, several, several things uh, a speaker, author coach like life and executive coach and um that's one side of my life and the other side of my professional life is i've been in financial services and most recently tech space but like fintech so still tied to financial services space for Mm -hmm. like 20 years um been in the c-suite startups established companies the whole nine and um it's really interesting for me how those two worlds come together with myself growing as a leader and just as a, a person which i don't I'm not sure you can really do them separately. And I certainly don't want to. So that's been right. my journey.
0: Right. Well, and I agree with you. I think it's, it all becomes very fluid and integrated. Yeah. Um, and you've had a lot of diversity, not only in your professional career, but also in your personal life Yeah. with a lot of obstacles to overcome. Um, yeah. What have you learned from all of that?
1: Yeah. So, you know, I I don't think I'm unique in this respect and um, I don't like to get into comparisons of, you know, he went through this, I didn't, or what I went through is worse or whatever. The reality is we all go through lots of stuff and it's unique and relevant and important in our context. And that's all that matters. And for Mm me, you know, I've, I've had my whole journey that's had lots of ups and downs and a big part of it is this consistent theme for me around anxiety. And how I feel like the sky is always about to fall. And the fact that I'm still standing never seemed to matter enough. Like for me to be like, wait, if I was right, why would I still be here? Cause I should have died 20 times over. Right. Right. Um, and I think that's a big part of what I learned is not just some tangible things to manage the anxiety. Cause it doesn't, it's not that it goes away. It's mm-hmm. just that it's not running my life anymore. And I know what it's about and I know how to pull myself back and make better choices. But, you know, the other side of it for me is just kind of recognizing how much I deserve to live differently. And that's, I think that's been the biggest learning for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I never really valued myself enough or thought I was capable enough to think that A, I could get through it and B, that I deserve to. Like I would do things for the sake of others. And I think a lot of us, fall into this space when we're serving others and we have to be there for others. And, you know, that's not a bad thing, but we do it to our own detriment or we do it with a sense of martyrdom and you know neither of those things serves anybody. And that's, I think that was one of the toughest things for me is feeling like I'm giving so much of myself for the people around me and they don't seem to care or Mm -hmm. they come down on me instead of seeing like, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing so much for them. Shouldn't that matter? And shouldn't you cut me some slack? And the reality is it just kept coming back to me not valuing myself enough. So I needed that from someone else. Um, Right. That's kind of been the biggest learning for me is the idea of self-love.
0: Which I think is so important. And I think I see it more in women or more obvious in women, but I think men do it as well.
1: Yeah. And I think Um, they fake it. Like they fake that it's an issue. Right, And it just, it comes out as insecurity in so many different ways.
0: Yeah. And I think exactly what you were saying, where we get into this pattern of like our entire context and the place we're living from, that space is about doing it for other people and not really for ourselves. So then you're overgiving.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's very true.
0: And then I think the anxiety of why aren't they appreciating me and why aren't they loving me comes right into, into that places also and it's I think it's hard to change so I'd love to know how you've kind of shifted so that you're not letting some of the anxiety run your life anymore and you know what is it that you've kind of done to recognize and have the self-love self-care so that you're really coming from a place of what you want and what you want to give
1: yeah so I think for me the the approach really comes together in a philosophy and this is how mm-hmm. I live my life. And it's what I talk about in my first book. And that's, it's named the same name as the philosophy, which is just, I call it do a day.
0: Right. Um,
1: and it's not, it's, it's very different from one day at a time, which to me feels kind of like, there's that's fine, but it's very passive.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's
1: sort of like, it's either passive in some situations or it's like, just grit your teeth and get through it and you can make it through.
0: I feel very energized here. Like just do a day. Yeah. Like that's exciting. Should be energizing.
1: Yeah, it's 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 purposeful, and that's the difference. Is it's not just about getting through and weathering the storm. It's about not having there be a storm in the first place because you know where you're heading and you're doing what you need to do in this moment. And this is this is where the anxiety gets released. I had been living very much with and all of us do really or many of us do this pain from the past and whether that's something i experienced that i'm hurt by or traumatized by something i've lost that i'm longing for something i regret you know i i did this and and i hold shame about that you bring mm-hmm. that into the present moment and we make a lot of our decisions around that and at the same time and this is probably more where i i really got stuck was the future and this is that sky is falling kind of idea that like everything's about to go wrong and it's all going to fall on me and Mm -hmm. it it can happen with positive stuff too where it's about anticipation so you stop focusing on right now because you're just so you know thinking about that big moment it's like the the night before your wedding kind of feeling which could be positive or negative depending on your situation but like you know there's still
0: a lot of intensity though yeah so you don't you you don't
1: sleep yeah and maybe you haven't figured out what it is or isn't but it's all of your thoughts are on tomorrow and not about right now and so what we end up doing when we live in yesterday or tomorrow is we give up today and all of our decisions today are focused on some payback for the past you know we we have to teach that person a lesson who wronged us and so every time we see them we go after them or we live with this anger right now because they have to pay a price for what they did and guess what? Your anger is not really doing anything to them. It's just costing you your right now, your happiness in the moment. Or we do it with tomorrow where you know my constant fear of everything that was going to go wrong that like I can't get through this. Well, again, how do I know what I can and get, get through? Because I've been wrong every single time I've said that or else I wouldn't still be standing. Like, At right. what point do you start to realize that and say, maybe I am more capable than I give myself credit for? And maybe if I have this present moment play out differently or or I'm present in a more meaningful way, maybe that eventuality won't come to pass because I'll make better decisions and I'll I'll execute better right now so that that thing I'm worried about never even, you know, we don't lose our home. We don't, you know, I don't get sick. I don't, whatever it is I'm worried about. Right. Because I've done better right now.
0: Right. The shoe isn't going to drop.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's very much what Do A Day is about for me. And it was born from... Um, an unfortunate and very awakening moment. And my intention is for other people not to have to get kicked in the face to go through the process to learn sometimes. You know, yeah, it, it can be really helpful. Um, my wife, who is, I will preface this by saying she's alive today, but in 2011, that was not what we expected. Um, mm-hmm. She's a chronic illness. It reared its head then. And heading into the summer, she wasn't expected to make it through. And her doctors gave up on wow. her. And our son was two years old and wow. had a front row seat to all this. And I was a complete mess, not just like sadness of the situation, but I was like Joe anxiety spiral. You know, all the things I have to do, and I'm worried about what's going on with her, and I'm taking care of the house and trying to hold down a job to pay all the bills and take care of our son, and, 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 mm-hmm. and I was just constantly freaking out. And, you know, from her perspective, that's not very supportive. You know, she wanted someone to just stand with her and hear her. And I didn't have time for that. And so I was much more dismissive and um, I'm the fixer. That's kind of who I am as a person. And I was in fixer mode, you know, just do this, just do this. And it's like, wait, I just like, can you just sit with me for a minute? And I need to tell you about feeling scared right now. And like, we don't have time for that. You got to like take this thing or we got to get this doctor's appointment or, and that's not what she needed. And so I wasn't serving her. I certainly wasn't serving her son. And if I was the only parent, he was going to have his chance at happiness in the wake of losing his mom at such a definitional period in his life. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, he was not well positioned to have happiness in his life. And that at the time was enough for me to wake up. And so I faced a lot of what was going on. I felt extremely different. I mean, I can pinpoint the exact moment where things shifted. Mm hmm what took me another six years to realize is that I also deserve better. And that was the the self-love journey that, uh, that's probably the hardest thing that I go through is these ups and downs of whether I value myself and respect myself and believe in myself enough to think that I will handle what's coming. So that's the journey I've been on.
0: What's changed most for you over the last six years as you're doing this work?
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely have been a lot more able to have perspective um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: instead of getting caught. And that's that's just like, that's an everyday benefit kind of thing. There's there's lots of other things that have changed really tangibly around like my career and my health and wellness. And, you know, I, I certainly wasn't coaching anyone or writing books back then. Um, mm-hmm. And it was like all these people were seeing me transform and started to come out of the woodwork. And they're like, hey, you know, I've watched you do great with this. I'm kind of struggling. Could we talk? Right. And so I fell into coaching just because people were watching it and asking for me to help with right. the same sort of struggles. That's not something I certainly wouldn't have been qualified to do before, but it ever would have crossed my mind. It's like, who am I to talk to? I mean, self-love, right? Who am I? Is a mm-hmm. very unloving kind of way to start a sentence. But who am right. I to help them? Cause I'm such a mess myself. Right.
0: And I think most people feel that way yeah particularly with entrepreneurs i see it and who am i to offer this amazing service or this product or this whatever yeah and a lot of times because it comes so naturally to them they don't value it
1: yeah yeah that's true and they they don't i mean it's just like you know not recognizing that you're still standing we all do that in different areas and and with that phrase meaning different things but like wait look around and do you even value what you have? Because if you do, then talking this way is so disrespectful for what you built. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like when people ask me, um, my brother's got a son who's doing the whole college application and acceptance denial dance right now. And uh, you know, I, I gave him some feedback from my experience decades ago, but that you know, I didn't get into my first choice because he didn't get into his. And mm-hmm. thank God I didn't because the person who decided that was my top pick was a very different person than ended up going to school, then graduated, et cetera. And like, that wouldn't have been the right fit for me. Right. But I didn't realize that at the time. And luckily he's already come to realize that. So it's him saying like, you know, as I've gotten further down the path, like, I'm so glad I didn't get in there. That wasn't the right place. But you know, when you're in the throes of it.
0: Yeah. And there's really a lot of pressure.
1: It. Yeah. And then it's like, well, you know, I, I didn't go to my first choice and someone asked me like in the same context, do you wish you had? And I was like, well, I love my son. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, if I didn't go to, to the school I went to, I wouldn't have had this happen in my career. Probably. I probably wouldn't have gone to this business school, which is where I met my wife, which is why my son exists. So you start to say things like, do you wish you did this differently back then? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, maybe you don't, you don't wish for the harm that came from it or the pain someone went through. You know, my wife and I are very clear, like, we don't like what she experienced in 2011. We don't like that this is still something that we deal with, but we wouldn't give up the growth and the learning and the right. values that we have as a result of that. And I find that time and time again, people with these extreme smack yourself in the face kind of moments are shockingly thankful for them.
0: Yes. Having had a couple myself over the years, and yeah, like I'm incredibly grateful. Yeah, and like getting divorced being the biggest one. Yeah, where I would, I mean, I would rather not be divorced, but it's been the catalyst for everything else.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that's a really interesting one. You know, my latest books about relationships, and people are always like, you talk about making them better, and it's like, well, mm-hmm. but some people really need to get divorced. And I'm like, yeah, better doesn't mean you're still together. Right. Like, you know, the conscious uncoupling, like that's better than two parents fighting and faking it.
0: Mm-hmm. And, Absolutely. And it's
1: better than two parents who split apart. And, you know, what I grew up with was a really nasty divorce and parents who were putting us in between, you know, in the middle and right. like there's better than that, but it doesn't, or, I don't want my parents to be together.
0: Right. And share a little bit too, because the title of the book is 50, 70, excuse me, fifty seventy yeah. 75, 100 uh, solution. Build better relationships. Yeah. What is the 50 75 five one hundred? This and then is, I have a whole bunch of questions. Yeah. For that
1: so hopefully this is the hardest part of the whole book. Everyone's like, yeah. why'd you name it that? Numbers. No one wants that. So the the numbers really do mean something, and it's about it's about our share of relationships. Right. So in every relationship, we tend to think of them as fifty fifty. There's me and there's you, or us and them, right? And it's a normal way to think, but it's also an unhelpful way to think because it leaves you feeling powerless. It leaves you feeling like you don't have control this tough relationship, or maybe it's not even a, a difficult or dysfunctional relationship. Maybe it's just one that's, eh, you know, it's not what it could be. But mm-hmm. in either case, you feel like, you know, I'm responsible for me, but then there's them and they're doing these things and there's nothing I can do about it. They're treating me this way. They're not treating me this way, whatever it is, it's, that's them and if only they would change, then we'd be fine. And that is generally how we tend to think about it, whether we admit it or not. And it's super unhelpful because it's not going to lead to a solution. And it also only makes us feel worse because we feel powerless. And in situations where we feel like we don't have control, it mm-hmm. tends to excite our insecurities further and it makes for more dysfunction. So that 50, super common, not a helpful way to look at things. right? And Through my own relationship work with my wife, where we were in a pretty bad place and in the wake of her illness sort of fell into these patterns of who we were to each other, what our roles were in the marriage. And it wasn't, it wasn't healthy. And to add to that, I started working in Atlanta. We live in Boston. I was commuting to Atlanta every week. So we're only together two days a week and it's super stressful because I'm, you know, I'm still doing everything around the house. So that two days was just a very difficult period. So we're totally growing apart. Right. And the problem was her. It's all her. I'm fine. It's just, you know, she would just love me more or see the worth in me or not. See how do hard I'm
0: working or, yeah. Yeah,
1: all those things. And so I went to get help and the help that I sought was for coping mechanisms because the problem's her. It's not me. I just need to learn how not to react. Like I need to learn how to hold my tongue, um, you know, or not say the things that are, that are triggering her to be so terrible to me, but like, I'm not the problem. I'm the enlightened really? one. I wrote a book on this stuff, right?
0: Right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, luckily the therapist that I was seeing, uh, she saw through that nonsense and she's like, right, Brian, it's not you at all. It's hundred yeah. percent your wife. Yeah. I was in 50, 50 mode. Right. And then, like, luckily in seeing through that, she saw a path to speak to the part of me that was closed off. And that was sharing some Buddhist philosophies with me. And I read this book called Open Heart, Clear Mind, which is the most beautiful thing I've ever read. And it taught me a number of things very quickly that just completely widened my eyes in the same sort of way that this moment when my wife's doctor told me there's nothing else to do, that that was this wake up for me. Reading this book was like that. Right. And so I'm not not good at promoting my own book, but like, this is the book when people are like, what should I read? One of yours? No, no, no. You got to read Open Heart, Clear Mind.
0: Uh, yes and. <laughs>
1: yes and. Um and then here's two others you can grab. Um yeah. so what really hit the nail on the head for me was the idea that it's it's called happiness seeking. And it's the idea that we all ultimately just seek to be happy. We don't like my wife doesn't just seek to be mean to me. There's actually like believe it or not that's not her intention when she wakes up in the morning. It's whatever it is that she wants in her life and sometimes she may feel like I stand in the mm-hmm. way of that or I'm a challenge to that and so she reacts. Right. Right. And sometimes I lose sight of my own happiness. So, like, is what I really want right now to explain to her why she's wrong? Or do I want her to love me and see the value in me and, you know, for us to be happy together? Yet I lose sight of that and I start reacting and explaining to her why, you know, her view on me is wrong or what she's mm-hmm. thinking is wrong. And like, this is not a recipe for success. So, what I realized is, the 50 versus the 75, what this is, is like, I control me. I own that. That's my responsibility. I'm split in half inside. Part of me is my active choices of how I'm acting. Like irrespective of anything else going on, it's what I put out into the world. The other half of me is how I'm reacting to my environment. And in a, in a dysfunctional relationship, it's how you're reacting to that other person. It's how I'm responding to what my wife's saying and doing. And a lot of us feel like that's not under our control. You know, it's like they, they made fun of me. They hit me. They did this. They did that. I had no choice. I had to defend right. myself or I mm-hmm. had to bite back. Well, it may be hard, but you do have a choice.
0: Right.
1: And so like, you know, people begrudgingly will be like, oh, yeah, that's true. I get it. But it's hard. Like, yes, but you own you. The thing is that same action reaction dynamic is going on in them, which means half of them is a reaction to you. And this is where the 75 comes from. You own your half, but you also have control and influence over half of them, or at least sway. Right. And when I recognized that, I was like, yeah, my wife's reacting to me. So what if I was different? What if I gave her a different version of me to react to? Now it's not 50 50. It's 50 plus another 25% of the whole. I have control or influence over three quarters of this problem. Mm -hmm. So it went from me feeling like the problem's all her to I don't care who the problem is, I have the power to move it to better. And that was this like eye-opening moment for me that felt incredibly um, freeing and empowering and inspiring. And it started in terms of how to do it. It starts with this notion of happiness seeking is I have to get to that level where we're talking about our happiness and where I'm appealing to that in her, not trying to explain to her why whatever feelings she's got inside are wrong. It's like, I don't like when she's doing that to me.
0: Did you notice too, like as you started taking ownership of like the whole 75% that your relationship started to change, even if you weren't having like lengthy conversations about what you were doing differently?
1: Yeah, well, and it's kind of the opposite. So yes, I noticed that. And the only conversations about what I was doing was to put me down. It's like, okay, Mr. Buddhist, why don't you like, so, you know, she was, cause it's like, you've said you're changing before and you didn't. So she was very skeptical, rightfully so. And again, I normally would have been like, no, you don't understand. This time's different and this and that, like not helpful. But I just went back to, what do we really want here? We both want the same thing and that's for us to be happier, for this marriage to work better, whether we're together or not. And so for me to start countering her putting me down or being Mm -hmm. like, you're really mean, why are you making fun of me? None of that actually helps us be happier. But to recognize why she's feeling that way and to reiterate that I love her and that I don't want this dynamic either and leave it at that, that's in line with our happiness. And so I just persisted in giving her a different version of me to interact with. And it took about two weeks, which you know, some people might want the instantaneous fix. In some situations, there will be one. In others, you may have years and years of a dynamic at play. You know, your relationship with your parents, your siblings, your spouse, your significant others, whoever it may be, they're not like overnight relationships. They took years to get to where they are. And there's a lot of history in our presumptions and assumptions about each other. So when you react differently, they may still see it as the original reaction or see it as a manipulation because that's not the you they're expecting. But if you stick with it, you start to disarm. And it was about two weeks later when I noticed materially things were different. Um, you know, the, the first few days were still really rough, Mm -hmm. but I, I held the course and at least I felt better. So like a really good sign for me is when we're fighting, I don't sleep. And I slept, there was a really big fight where I was like, this is it. I'm going to use this approach and I'm going to stick with it. And it, like, I did fine with it. She didn't buy it and she was still like slinging mud at me. Mm -hmm. But I walked away after telling her how much I loved her that this isn't what either of us wants for our dynamic and i'm going to go to sleep and i love you. and she threw more slurs at me and stuff and i came right back into the room which i normally would do just to explain to her why she's wrong and mean and mm-hmm. i just reiterated i love you i know this isn't what either of us wants i'm going to go to sleep i love you and i walked away. and i slept that night. Wow. It really surprised me because i expected like, you know, i can i can put on a good show but i know inside i'm still fuming, but I was in touch with happiness in the same way I wanted her to be. And it brought peace. And there's other situations I was going through that outside of our marriage where similar levels of angst and risk. Um, I had a coworker who was trying to get me fired pretty nastily. Mm -hmm. And I stayed calm with that. And I navigated through that. But it's the like I have a heart rate monitor in my watch. And I could see like, no, I'm not just like fake smiling right now. My heart's still at a normal resting heart rate. Right. So it's incredibly powerful. And I saw it through.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. So is that why um, you think that relationships are so important to our self-work and success? Is because you have this opportunity to really shift within yourself, but also kind of give something to somebody else.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's a really big part of it. And the other is just how pervasive it is. So you do all the self-work in the world that you want to do, you still relate to people on a daily basis and that self work needs to start to become relational work because otherwise you know like i had done a lot of self work i had achieved a lot of things that i would say like they weren't even on the list for me to cross off as absurd like i wouldn't even have considered them to be like now nah, i'll never do that and yet despite all of that achievement and better in so many aspects of my life i still had tough relationships and the most important and central one was the toughest of all so self-work is important and great, but you can't go alone. It needs to be thinking about how you relate to others too. And each one of those is a unique instance. And our whole day is relationships. Like every interaction, this is not just about our spouses. Like it's every relationship we have, whether it's a longstanding one or a fleeting one. I had someone who read the book who texted me. Um, They were like, I just used it this morning at the gas station. As like, I'm guessing it wasn't with his wife. Like she probably wasn't just filling up at the pump next to him. Maybe. But then he would have told me, like I used it with, you know, his wife's name. But it's like probably just the person at the pump next to him. I don't know what they were doing. I don't know what happened, but that was like a once and done relationship and it worked. So Mm -hmm. it's how we relate to people day in, day out. And it affects us because we carry those tough relationships into everything else we do.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think like if we're having a bad day, like we don't think about what's going on for everybody else. We're just yeah. locked into whatever it is we're focused on. And yeah. somebody can say anything and then we over respond. Yeah, um, totally. So it's, yeah, what an amazing, like just thought process and way of being. So what is the 100?
1: The 100 is is ultimately where you're trying to get to and that's 100% better. You know, whether it's uh, better meaning that you guys are like holding hands, skipping off into the sunset or better means that, you know, you leave that job or, you know, I, I talked about abusive relationships too. Better is not sticking around to get hit or screamed at. And it doesn't mean that that's going to stop better. Maybe taking yourself out of it, but the question is, how do you take yourself out and what are you left with as a result? How do you walk away from that job with an abusive boss or that job where you're not valued? In a way that doesn't carry into your next job so that you're suspicious of people, you know, it's, it's what we're left with as human beings, Mm -hmm. all that matters. So a hundred could mean, you know, everything's perfect. Like my wife and I are much better than we were. We still have stuff to work on. We still have ups and downs and that's normal. We're still not where either of us wants our relationship to be, but that's, that's in the cards now, whereas it certainly wasn't, you know, a couple of years ago.
0: Right. So it's not about mastering, it's more about really honoring the growth and continuing to do the work.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, I think that's a general rule for life is the idea that you do it and you're done. Well, yes, when you die,
0: but until then,
1: (laughs) like we're not done. And if you really think about it, I know that that's a, that sounds easier, but is that really what you want for your life? Personally, I would like to keep growing and experiencing new things. And I Mm -hmm. change as a person, as we all do. So what worked for me before may not still work, or at least may need more adaptation to the new situations I find myself in.
0: Right, right. I'm curious too, um, because I think we all get into patterns, hmm. particularly in our relationships. And even if we're doing the work, there can be places where there's you know, gaps. So how do we break some of the adver- adversarial patterns that we get stuck in?
1: Yeah. um, This is where reflection has served me really well and reflection on what? It's on this happiness seeking idea. So, you know, it's not enough to just think about the other person's happiness. It's also really important to think about yours and what you really, really want. And that's where I found my ability to change my patterns. Focusing on their happiness just allows me to see what I should do in relation to them. But how do I actually get myself to sleep tonight or not have my heart rate spike? That has to do with me being centered on what ultimately matters to me. Um, I feel bad for anyone who's heard me on multiple podcasts cause I always use the same, uh, the same scenario, but it's a really good example <laughs> to illustrate the whole thing, okay, but it's getting cut repetition. off in traffic. Oh
0: yeah. yeah. I was gonna say Repetition is I think the best form of learning. So
1: excellent. It's not that I'm not creative and can't come up with other ideas. Yeah. Um, getting cut off in traffic. Like we've all been there. The natural response is to get worked up, maybe to scream, even though they can't hear you, or maybe, you know, one of the fingers on your hand rises up while the others stay down. Like there's any number of responses. And often people will then try to get back at them. Like, Oh, I'm going to get back. I'm going to get in front of you. That's, that's the kind of response base that doesn't help. And In that particular scenario, it's really helpful to remember that person didn't get on the highway looking for your car and like, oh, where's this car? I'm gonna get in front of it. They got on the highway to get where they're going, which is exactly the same as you. Mm -hmm. And they want to get there, you know, as quickly as they can. And like you said, we don't know what they're going through. So maybe, you know, they've just gotten some really bad news and they're trying to rush home to be with their family, maybe, you know, any number of things. But to presume that it's about you and just being mean to you. That's not right. And then you need to ask yourself, well, what's my happiness? Like that might help me feel less attacked, but how do Mm -hmm. I then change my patterns of response? If I remember my happiness today is to get home as quickly as I can or to get to my destination. If I like get all worked up and start screaming at them, that has nothing to do with my happiness. That just kind of ruins my day. Right. Maybe I lose my voice. And if I try to cut them off in response to teach them a lesson... Then what's going to happen? Well, I may or may not be able to do it. So I may not get any closer to my destination. I may not get back on track to getting where I wanted to go. And what's the cost really? What am I like 10 seconds later than I was before? If that, Um, Mm -hmm. but also what if we get in a car accident or what if I anger someone else who they then respond poorly and they try to cut me off and like, maybe I'll end up further back. Maybe the person slams on their brakes and, and drives super slow and I'm like boxed in and I get there even later. Like none of these things is aligned with my happiness. So if I really care about what I think I care about, what my ultimate happiness is, I'm not going to respond that way. And that's the part that helps me. Like my happiness is not to explain to my wife why she's wrong. My happiness is for us to be together and to be happy and to not be fighting. So explaining this to her right now, a is not going to change her mind. So that's not going to get us closer to anything. And B has ultimately is just going to make her angrier which takes me further away from my happiness. So if I can key into what I really care about, it'll stop my pattern of response.
0: Mm -hmm. I find too, and I think the traffic is such a great analogy because you end up expending all of this energy and it's exhausting over nothing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and why not put that (laughs) energy into something? It's like we tend to, to lose sight of, Like, you know, we, we fixate on one path and we think the Mm -hmm. other one's going to be so much harder. They both take energy, you know, like with marriage, just like, we just need to split up and that would be so much easier. Well, divorce isn't easy either. So don't think it's like effort versus not. That's not what the, the comparison needs to be about. Every path we choose takes energy. So don't presume that one of them is, you know, nothing and the other is so hard, really stop and reflect. It's like the first time you take a shortcut that someone gives you, unless it's like half the the time, we tend to feel like it's taking us longer. Mm -hmm. and It's just because it's unfamiliar and it's something different and our mind's working on it, but actually it took less effort and less time. We just didn't appreciate that. We misread the situation. So just have some flexibility in how you evaluate things.
0: I love it. I love it. So in addition to buying both of your books, what is
1: and and open heart clear mind
0: there you go so all three (laughs) books what is um one just piece of advice that you would you give somebody who's starting their journey to be more present and who wants to build better relationships
1: yeah so this is a really interesting one that i got into someone recently talking about meditation Mm -hmm. where when people meditate they often start having other thoughts come into their mind and then they just like try to shut it down and they they judge themselves for it. Actually that's not really the best way to go about it. It's to recognize that you have that thought, not pass judgment on it, but park it to come back to you later. Cause you need to reflect on why it came up. I think in the whole self-love notion, the same advice applies. If you find yourself with that little voice inside shaming you, judging you, telling you that you're not good enough, it's not to get tough on that voice. It's to recognize that it's there. And come back to it later say, okay, I'm obviously, you know, I'm I'm looking at myself a certain way in this. There's a reason for that. And I need to explore that, but it's not to shame yourself for shaming yourself. That's, that's not serving. That's just doing more of the same.
0: Thank you. I think that's so perfect, particularly at this time of year, it's the beginning of 2020. And I think everybody's starting, you know, their goals and their new year's resolutions. And at some point, most people fall off. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think having that advice is going to be really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so much easier to just start again than it mm-hmm. is to continue beating yourself up.
1: Yeah. I mean, and that's the whole notion of do a day. Like whether you did it well or not yesterday is not relevant because today is a new right. day. Right. And so every day you have an opportunity. It's not like you get a free pass to just <clears throat> never do anything it's kind of the opposite. It doesn't matter if you failed and it doesn't matter if you overdid it so you get, you get the day off. Today is your day to make a decision about where you're going to go relative to your goals. And you can always do whatever is in your power in this moment. It doesn't matter whether you've done it before or how many more times you have to do it tomorrow. None of that's happening. So don't worry about that today.
0: That's awesome. It's awesome. Share with everybody where they can connect with you and where they can find you.
1: Yeah, so you can uh, get everything I've got going on at brianfalchuk.com. So it's B R Y A N F A L C H U K. dot com, and I'm also at Brian Falchuk on lots of social media. Um, not some of the newer ones. I'm too old for that. Like I don't understand TikTok. But
0: <laughs> <I> don't either.
1: <laughs> Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, yeah, Facebook, yeah, um, all, all the over the place. Regular. Yeah, and That's my books cool. are everywhere. They're in every format from every seller. So it should be really easy to find, but I linked to all that at brianfalchark.com.
0: Awesome. And you are offering $4 off on both of your books on your website.
1: Yes. For friends and family or for just anyone, but the, the, uh, just enter the code F and F all one word, spell out the word and F and F friends and family and you get four bucks off and you can, that includes the, uh, the, the empowerment power packs of both of my books And I will sign them for you. And I do more than just sign. actually write a message to people. I put some time and thought into it. So I care.
0: Wow. That's amazing. And what, I mean, what an amazing gift to receive too. So thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I have loved having you on the show today. I think this is going to be so helpful to all of our listeners. So thank you. I'm really, yeah, I appreciate
1: it. It's been great to be on and to share with everyone. I hope it's been valuable for them.
0: Oh, definitely. Definitely. And for everybody listening, we will see you next week. As an entrepreneur, do you ever feel isolated, like you're just grinding away and not getting to the place or reaching the goals that you want? Maybe you've realized that you just spent days, weeks, or even months trying to accomplish something only to figure out that the answer that you have would have saved you all of that time. I know I've had that experience and my clients have as well and that's why I created the Tribe of Leaders Biz School. Get the accountability, the training, and the knowledge base in a community of like-minded people who are there to support you. Go ahead and check it out. It's thetribeofleaders.com.